Hello friends, welcome back to my solo road. My name is Sydney. I live in a van and this is my podcast. How are we doing? I hope you guys are doing really, really well. I do have a couple things I wanna say at the beginning of this one. First of all, the response in general to my social anxiety episode has been absolutely insane. Thank you so much for listening to that episode and actually receiving it the way that I was really hesitant. Like I didn't know if you guys would receive it that way, but I almost did it a second time because I was embarrassed and I didn't think that it went very well. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot to say this and I forgot to say that. And then I just kind of put it out there. And uh, so many of you have sent me messages of your experience with social anxiety, or, you know, you didn't even know that you had it, but you were like, holy crap, I feel the exact same way. You are literally describing my personality to a T. So now you're kind of on this journey of discovering a piece of you that you didn't really know what to call it, exactly how I was and how I explained it in that episode. And now you can kind of start to grow and change in a very positive way. And if you get anything out of this podcast ever, whether you ever intend to live in a van or not, that is exactly what like my goal has been when I started doing social media and I started sharing more and more about my life. I really, really just wanted people to kind of take what I'm saying, I guess, in a way that would inspire them or motivate them to change and grow. And I never in a million years thought that I was going to talk about my social anxiety on a podcast, uh, especially not my own podcast. And so to end up doing that, and then for you guys to just send me these like beautiful messages in ways that it resonates with you, or even just saying like, thank you for sharing that. I know it was probably difficult, anything like that. It was just really, really cool. So I just wanted to say thank you. Second of all, I am still trying to to get YouTube together. If you want to subscribe to my channel, it is just called Divine on the Road. I am doing my best. I am doing the same thing that I talked about last week where I was too scared to talk on Instagram like stories. I didn't want to face the camera and talk. And so it took me a couple weeks of practicing and talking to the camera every single day and never posting it before I could actually just do it and post it. And I've kind of been practicing the same technique with YouTube. So I've been recording my podcast but I haven't been editing the videos or even looking at the videos after I record them just because I want to get used to having the camera in my face. It's kind of a new feeling. And as we all have learned, (laughs) somebody with social anxiety, it's just a little odd. So as soon as I feel comfortable, it will be on YouTube and I will tell you as soon as it is. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's this week. (laughs) Uh, We never really know. And then last but not least, I wanted to share with you, I know this is the most like influencer-y thing I will ever say, but I will be doing my first in-feed post ad that I've ever done. So I have done a couple stories for Thinks Underwear, and that's really the only ads I've ever done. But BarkBox, it's like a Stitch Fix or whatever other box you get monthly in the mail. BarkBox is that for your dogs, and they reached out. They wanted to do an ad. It's a company I actually really like. You know, our exchanges have been really positive and stuff, so I did agree to work with them. However, I have this really uncomfortable feeling of taking anything from this community and not giving something back. And before anyone says that that's unnecessary or that I don't have to, I know that, but it's just kind of a comfort level. I would rather give back than to just continuously take. So I will be 
posting an ad this Friday, whatever that is. It's the Friday after I post this podcast. And I am going to donate $250 to whatever nonprofit you choose. So as soon as you see the ad, comment on the post and just tag whatever nonprofit or write it out. It doesn't matter. And then 48 hours after the post, I will tally up which nonprofit has the most votes and I will donate $250 from what I'm getting paid for the ad. But yeah, it's just kind of my way of saying thank you. I wouldn't be getting to do ads or making any money from Instagram if it wasn't for you. So I might as well be giving back to an organization that you love and you feel connected to. So the brand has to approve the caption. So I don't think I'm going to say anything in the caption about this because I just don't want it to be, I don't know, does that sound mean? I don't want it to be part of the exchange because I really don't want them to like deny it. But I don't think that they would have an issue with me like donating to a nonprofit. That would be strange. But anyways, I'm not going to put it in the caption. So regardless of whether I say it in the post or not, it is a thing. And please tag as many nonprofits as you want. If you just have one, tag that one. And like I said, I will just tally them up and donate. So I posted a few days ago that I wanted unpopular questions, like deep, good, solid questions for this week's episode, instead of like what type of van I have and what kind of stove I use. I really wanted to go a little bit deeper than that. So I'm going to answer 10 questions that I do not typically answer, or just 10 questions that I found to be very interesting or something that you might want to learn about, whether it's van life or myself. So let's go ahead and dive into that. We also, wink, wink, have our first like kind of sponsor, Underwood Canned Wine, who I've actually worked with just in terms of they sent me some product whenever they came out with a new flavor or a different kind of wine, but they are going to now send me wine specifically for the podcast. So I am now going to be drinking Underwood Canned Wine. Canned wine is obviously amazing in a van because you don't have to deal with bottles or glass breaking potentially when you're driving. So I've kind of been on canned wine for a little bit, but to be getting some free canned wine and if uh, for the sake of the podcast is all I need in life. So they came out with a Pinot Noir and we are all red fans here. So I'm going to go grab a can of that and I will be right back. Okay, so First question. I'm honestly super fired up for this because I love answering questions. If you ever ask me a question that I'm not asked all the time, I will always tell you like, oh my God, that's such a great question because I really get asked the exact same thing very frequently, which is nobody's fault. People always want to know what kind of van I have and how long I've been in the van and I don't know how I make money on the road, things like that. So to answer and pick out 10 like really juicy questions um, was really fun. Also, quickly, we were going to get back into some interviews very soon. I haven't been around anyone lately and I don't really like the idea of like them recording it in one place and then sending me that audio because I am kind of a perfectionist and not having control over what they use as audio. I don't know. That idea just kind of bothers me. So I like to do it in person where it can be a real conversation and I can kind of handle the audio myself. Anyway, so yeah, we'll get back into that good content soon. For the meantime, you are stuck with me. So for the first question, 
How did I tell my family? What was their reaction? And are they accepting a van life? Yeah, great question. Especially as a solo woman, a lot of people are like, oh my God, how did your dad react when you told him you were going to go live in a van for a couple years or like an indefinite amount of time? And the truth is, I just told them. <laughs> like, there's really no way around it. I, I really recommend that you go to them with all of the information. I had answers for pretty much everything. I had done a lot of research. And so if they asked me how I was going to stay safe, I would tell them the ways in which I was planning on staying safe. You know, I had lived in Chicago by myself for four years prior to this while I was in school. And that was way less safe feeling than me living in the van. When I am traveling in the van, I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere. And if you watch a lot of like scary Netflix movies, then you probably think camping is insanely dangerous. Uh, and it technically can be, but all of the <laughs> traumatic experiences in my life were when I was living in an apartment with roommates in Chicago, a very heavily trafficked area. I was downtown a lot. And that's kind of where stuff happened. So I really perceive van life as being a lot safer than that. Um, as long as you are smart and you are aware and you go to your parents and you tell them or whoever your family is that would be worried, any type of guardian, when you go to them, just have the answers laid out. This is the kind of van I want. This is how much I think I can afford. This is my budget. This is how I'm going to do it. This is why I'm doing it. Tell them why you're passionate about this. I went to my parents and I was like, look, I'm miserable with my life right now. I'm not happy. I'm in my early 20s at the time. And this is just not something that I want to continue doing. I don't want to work in the restaurant industry for the rest of my life. I came across van life on the internet, I think, as most of us do. I had done a ton of research and yeah, I just kind of told them this is not what I want to do this is what I want to do. And I'm also over the age of 18. So they don't technically have a choice. And I also told them, I love you to death. You're great. You've taken great care of me, but I'm going to go do this on my own, kind of whether you like it or not. And I really just told them, you are either going to get behind me and support me and be here as my family, or you're going to be against what I'm doing and something that I feel very passionate about. And if it doesn't work out, I'll stop doing it. I'll sell the van and I'll go back to the restaurant industry. But I, I kind of told them you can either support me or not support me. And I have amazing parents who are like very, very supportive. And so, you know, they didn't like it. My dad absolutely hated it. They still hate it. Like they love what I'm doing, but they hate the, like they haven't gotten a good night's sleep in a couple years now, but they choose to support me and they always have. And I do always tell people, if your family doesn't support you right away, that is their transitional time to come to terms with what you're doing. Give them a couple weeks. If you're going to your parents, first of all, you're probably pretty young. So their child is telling them that they're going to go travel indefinitely in a vehicle in a way that they've probably never heard of. So it's going to take them a little bit of time to get on board. And it took my parents a couple weeks. But as soon as I showed them how serious I am, and that's another thing, your parents will probably doubt how serious you are. They're probably going to think you are, you know, just kind of on this new kick. It's going to go away in a week. You'll never think about it again and it will be fine. And so you need to really show them, like I said, when you sit down with them and you show them how you're going to stay safe, you answer their questions, you should really 
go into detail on the fact that you are passionate about this and it's it's going to happen. Don't make it super nonchalant. Like, don't search for their approval or, you know, kind of end every sentence with a question mark. Like, really go into it with some certainty. And that's really what I did. I went to Africa when I was... I think 19 or 20 years old. And I did the same thing with them then as well. I went to them and I said, this is where I'm going. These are the, this is the hotel. This is the Airbnb. This is the hostel. Cause I was bouncing around all over the place. And I told them, you know, this is what I'm going to do to stay safe. I got like a Garmin inReach thing. So no matter what kind of cell service I have, I can contact my parents if I need to. And them just having little tidbits like that, regardless of if it's actually going to help in the moment, it will just make them feel better. And anything to make your guardians sleep better at night is a very nice thing for you to do. So get a Garmin in reach. I also have a little hum thing in my car, which is like a GPS. And me, my dad, my mom, my sister, my best friend, everyone has a login to that. So they have my GPS coordinates. It like shows them what kind of gas I have in the car. If I'm low on gas, it says any, if I've gotten into a car crash, like it gives them a ton of information about the vehicle and myself. So they all have the login for that. And anything that you can do to make them feel better is uh, welcome. The last thing, however, is regardless of the fact that I went to them with certainty, I've been doing this for two years now. I've lived on the road by myself for a year and a half. I have dogs, so they would bark. They would go crazy if anybody ever came up to the van. All of these things that I've done and put in place. I went one night about a week ago at a campsite where I didn't have service. I thought that my family and my friends knew that I wasn't going to have service for the night, but I had actually failed to mention that. And I didn't have service for 18 hours. So when I got back into having service, I had phone calls, text messages, emails. Lee had told like a million people that I was missing. And so I have like phone calls from people I haven't talked to in forever. I had the police searching for me. The forest rangers were like searching for me, supposedly. I don't know if they actually were. I never saw any of them, but they were like overly panicked. My dad had a bag packed and was ready to come to California. My family was freaking out. So I called my dad and my dad was like, Sydney, I'm not angry, but I'm just sitting here staring at a bag. I was ready to get on the 740 flight to California and I was going to come find you. Like he was pulling the, um, whatever that movie is called where the girl goes to Europe and like that, it was real life, that situation, only I was perfectly fine. And so you can do everything right. You can do everything you need to do, except the fact that I failed to mention I was going out of service, but they're still going to worry because they're parents and they're your guardians. And I mean, I consider myself extremely lucky and grateful to have parents who care like that and were actually concerned after, you know, only... 16 to 18 hours of not hearing from me when I'm on the other side of the country and you'd think that's probably a norm. Yeah, it's just gonna gonna happen. So that's really my best advice on your family and how to tell them and, and handle their reaction. That's kind of my situation with my family. So let's move on because that was a long answer for one question. Number two, do I worry about getting my van stuck and how does it handle in snow? Well, this will be a short answer because the only thing I can say is get roadside assistance or AAA. I have heard people not have the best of luck with AAA. I recommend just getting roadside assistance with your insurance coverage. That is what I have done. And I have called roadside assistance 
probably close to a dozen times. I just got stuck in the snow and I later got chains that day. So that shouldn't happen anymore. I had never driven in the snow. So I was really just kind of going like I was kind of testing my limits, see what I could do, what the van could handle. And I got stuck. So I called roadside assistance. They were there like 45 minutes later. They helped me out. I got chains and then I went on my way. About three days later, because I was going from Tahoe to San Diego. Once I got to San Diego, I went to Fiesta Island, which is like a dirt island. And it had just finished raining for three days. And I got stuck on Fiesta Island in the dirt because I just like sunk straight in. And um, it's sand. It's not dirt. But anyways, I got stuck there too, called roadside assistance. So the only advice here is if you don't have cell service, don't test your limits because you have to call roadside assistance. You have to have help of some kind. You can buy things like max tracks, which are these tracks that you put underneath your tires. I do not have them. I really rely heavily on roadside assistance. So it's not very expensive to add into your insurance package. I have Progressive and yeah, they are phenomenal. You call a number, they connect to somebody in the area that you're currently in and somebody will come out and tow you out or wench you out, which is what I have done several times. What is the grossest thing I have done in the van? Um, This is a tie between shaving my legs in my sink in the kitchen, because I think I was wearing like a dress that day or something, which is the one and only time I probably will ever wear a dress. So I shaved my legs. And as it was happening, I was consciously thinking about the fact that it was literally disgusting. So it's either a tie between that or uh, going number two, cute, in my portable toilet in a grocery bag, which we've already discussed. I won't go into detail. I tied the grocery bag. And then I met up with a friend and I just, you're not going to believe me. That's fine. But when you close the portable toilet, you can't smell anything, but I do typically go straight to a gas station or something where I can put the grocery bag. But I was meeting a friend this one day and I left the bag in my toilet. And then when I got to her house, she wanted to, like her family wanted to see the van. And so I had to like give a family of five And like, they're a decently wealthy family. And I had to like give this entire family a tour of my van while having actual shit in my toilet. And then like, as I'm giving her family the tour, I'm like trying to make sure all the doors are open. Cause I was like, God forbid they smell something like this is so embarrassing. Then the neighbors saw that I was giving them a tour and I guess she had talked to them about it. And so the neighbors came over and I had to give like a total of 10 people a tour of my van, which they still to this day have no idea that that was a thing, but it was definitely disgusting. And yeah. I also regret that. Don't ever leave it in the in the toilet. I mean, like I said, it doesn't smell, but uh, people would probably prefer a tour without, you know, stuff in your toilet. <laughs> what would I say to someone who is nervous to take the leap? So I also hope that you love my transitions from talking about shaving my legs and going to the bathroom to being nervous to take the leap into van life. This is, this is why I wanted to do this episode because I knew it would be fun. But if you are nervous to go into van life, first of all, totally understandable. Most people are. I was not that nervous going into van life. I don't know why. I had like a little bit of hesitation in terms of basically giving my entire life savings to this like hopeful passion that might turn into something and probably won't. But everyone is going to be nervous when you're going into it. Everyone that I've talked to has been nervous. I think I'm kind of just like this weirdo who really had their fingers crossed and like just hope to God that it would work out. But I just knew that I would love living in the van and traveling nonstop. In my own brain, I don't even understand how anyone wouldn't love this. But I un- I also understand 
because I have a sister who's the total opposite of me. Why people, I guess, wouldn't, I don't know. But I knew that I would love it. I do love it. And uh, if you're nervous, just go for it. Just do it. There's not going to be a perfect time. There's not going to be a perfect amount of money. Whatever amount of money you can save and, you know, uh, however much, like really set a deadline and whatever you can save in that period of time, use that for a van. Get an old Ford Econoline, build it out to the best of your abilities. Try out van life before you do like a whole build. And yeah, just kind of go for it. You have, like I said, there's not a perfect time. You're either going to have to go for it or you're going to have to go for it. Like in a year, you're still going to be apprehensive and you're still going to have to have the feeling of like taking that leap. You know what I mean? So it's either like you take the leap now and just get it over with, or you're going to wait a year and still have to take that leap. Or my best advice, and I always say this in any type of interview I do, you need to focus your attention and your passion on something you're actually going to take action on. So if you want to do van life, you feel so passionate about it, but you know in your heart, like if you sit down and reflect a little and you know in your heart, that is not a thing I'm ever going to actually do. Then you need to find something that you will actually do. Sitting here and obsessing over something that you're never going to do. And I don't mean the people who kind of watch from afar and just think it's fun and that kind of thing. I mean, people who are like constantly at the edge of their seat. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. If you know in your heart, you're never going to do it, then you really should find something else to focus that attention on that you will do. Otherwise, you're just not really going to make much progress in life. (laughs) Um, So yeah, focus your attention on things that you are actually going to take action on, that you are going to do, that you're going to love. And if that's not van life, then cool. Then that's your life. Go find something that is going to make you happy. And uh, yeah, you just don't want to waste, don't waste your own time. That's not efficient and that's not smart. So next up, how do I stay warm in the winter with no heater? Fantastic. Everyone says to get a heater, you get the diesel heater. I don't even have a diesel van, but like a heater that you install into the van, which is fantastic. I'm sure it's one of those luxuries, like a shower in the van that once you have, you feel like you cannot live without, which is totally understandable, but I don't have a heater. I don't even have like a Mr. Buddy cheap propane heater. I've never wanted propane in the van. This is my go-to guide, which doesn't live anywhere else (laughs) to staying warm in the winter. First of all, insulate your van. I know it sounds obvious, but insulate to the nines. Like, really take that step seriously. Really do your research in terms of, like, when you're somewhere hot, what do you need? If you're somewhere cold, what will you need? And, yeah, just insulate the best of your abilities, whatever you can afford for that step do that. Secondly, I put a blanket on the floor of my van. I have hardwood floors. And if it's below freezing, when I step on the floor, this might sound like a silly little thing, but when I step on the floor in the morning, I don't want to step on like a freezing cold hardwood floor. So I have like a $10 Walmart fuzzy blanket that I put on the floor at night. And that way in the morning, I can step onto like a nice warm little fuzzy blanket. (laughs) Like I said, probably sounds stupid, but it actually makes a difference for me. And anything that you can boil or cook, like I make tea 10 times a day after I've got done with coffee because it just keeps you warm. Besides the drink, just like the steam and the boiling, it really warms up the van, at least for a short period of time. So I usually make something like that at night before I go to bed. So it's warm in here before I go to bed. And yeah, a lot of people will suggest that because it really does work pretty well. As far as blankets on your bed to go, this is the official 
proven. I have mastered this plan. Okay. You use a fuzzy blanket. Like I was just saying, I have like five from Walmart. They're only like 10 bucks. Just buy a bunch and they're huge. I put the closest layer to my body. Fuzzy blanket has to be touching you. It will keep you warm. On top of that, a sleeping bag. You can get them at Goodwill. I got mine at Goodwill on one of those days where like everything's half off. It was probably $10, but it's a really nice warm sleeping bag. So that goes on top of my fuzzy blankets. And then on top of the sleeping bag, another fuzzy blanket. If you want to add a comforter, you put that on top of the sleeping bag and then the fuzzy blanket. That is going to keep you warm. I'm usually waking up in the middle of the night sweating because I have so many layers on. So fuzzy blanket, sleeping bag, comforter, fuzzy blanket. It will save your life. And lastly, get a dog. (laughs) I know there's a lot more to getting a dog, but I quite literally grab Ella and bring her under the blankets with me if it's too cold. And I will just like wrap her like a body pillow in between my legs and my arms. And we just cuddle all night. And Pearl is so small that she has no choice but to be like, inside my womb. Like she's always curled up under all of the blankets up against my chest or up against my stomach. And she hasn't left that spot since the day I got her. So yeah, get dogs. They will always keep you warm. What is the worst city that I have ever visited? I am so reluctant to answer this, but I'm also really excited because I know a lot of you will agree. Like I'm from Indianapolis. I'm not from San Diego or, you know, LA or something like that. Nobody likes Indianapolis. I'm very used to people dogging on my hometown. Nobody goes to Indianapolis and leaves thinking it was fantastic. So don't get offended by me saying your hometown, okay? If you're from this place, it's not the end of the world. I just personally will never go again. (laughs) And this city is the beautiful place of Albuquerque, New Mexico. It is pretty gross from my own experience. I do not enjoy being there. It is probably related to the fact that the first time I was in Albuquerque, my first van broke down and it was like a $10,000 repair, which is a whole episode of the podcast on its own. It was a nightmare. The dealership was awful. Everyone that I worked with was terrible and very rude. And then the second time I went, I walked into a Walmart. I lost my wallet, which is obviously my fault, but I lost my wallet. And it was like a huge problem because I didn't have any cash. For the next couple days, I was at like this gathering and uh, I had to find a place with Apple Pay so that I could use my phone and get cash back in order to get cash so that I could put gas in my car to get to the gathering. So it was just kind of this whole ordeal. And every time I go to take my dogs to the dog park there, it's also just really dirty. And there is actual needles, like uh, drug needles, at the dog parks. And I've been to probably seven dog parks in Albuquerque and they are just all kind of like that. So love New Mexico, love Taos, but Albuquerque, mm, thumbs down, probably not going back. This is one of those questions that I absolutely love because no one ever asks me this. Is it hard going against the standard culture of like, you're not doing the right thing? I'm not going with the grain and like doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not getting a typical job. I'm being very millennial, which everyone hates. And uh, yeah, like how do, how do I deal with 
going against that standard. To be perfectly honest, I've always done that. Like, I wish I could tell you that it's very difficult and I have such a hard time, but to be perfectly honest, I uh, I don't. I, <laughs> I kind of enjoy it. I'm like one of those people where a family reunion or something when people are like, so how's the van thing? And I'm always like, you mean my, ac- my life? <laughs> like my house? It's great. It's very fun. Love my dogs. Love the van. And yeah, I kind of take pride and like personal humor out of, you know, people thinking that it's weird. Or if I open the sliding door and someone's like, whoa, my God, what? Like, that looks cool, but what's going on in there? Yeah, I just kind of explain something. I'm like, yeah, I live here. It's super fun. Like, you know, thumbs up. Love it. Nobody has ever criticized me to the point where I feel awful about myself. Like, most people are fairly envious of this type of lifestyle, you know, because they either have children and they don't feel comfortable doing it with kids, which is understandable, or like a million other reasons why they can't. And so most people, you know, don't come at me and they're just like, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Most people are fairly envious. And if they're not envious, then they're just kind of like, no, thumbs up to you. Like, do whatever you want to do in life. <laughs> like, I'm not going to judge you. And so there's very few people. I do come from a conservative family as much as I love them. We do have quite a bit of differences in terms of just beliefs in life. So if I get any criticism, it's pretty much just from them. <laughs> and that's not my immediate family. It's kind of my extended and like friends of extended families that just people that show up at family reunions. And yeah, they'll kind of share their opinions. And if I don't protect myself in that moment, my dad, who is like number one fan, he will jump right in front and be like, uh, no, she's doing this. It's awesome. We love it. We support it. Yeah. My dad's very protective of what I'm doing. And yeah, so just, it's not difficult. And if you are insecure or sensitive to people judging you and whatever your choices are in life, I would encourage you just to kind of find some humor in it. And if you like what you're doing, then who cares? (laughs) Like nobody else's opinion in that matters at all. If you're happy, then you're happy. Then period. Like that's, if you're happy, then you've already done what you've, like what most people strive for in life. So you don't have to worry about anything else. Okay. Now I chose the next question because it kind of goes on the flip side of that. And it's a little bit hypocritical. The next one is how do I handle not everyone liking me on social media? Do I handle it well? Or does it kind of make me insecure? Whatever. As much as in person, if someone judges the van thing, I don't care. When someone who follows me on social media, and especially if it's someone who's been following me or supporting me in any way, just even if it's like some comments here and there, and I know their Instagram name or whatever, if they send me like a really mean message, which God bless, I haven't gotten very many of, I have probably in my entire Instagram life, maybe gotten half a dozen to maybe a dozen negative messages, like something that actually meant, you know, not just like, this is stupid, like something that was heartfelt and like just mean. And I don't handle them well at all. Like somebody who knows what I'm doing, they read my words. And, you know, as you, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I pour a lot of my heart into my captions, as cheesy as that might sound. I sit down and journal and I read, and then I will sit down on my laptop and kind of formulate a caption from my thoughts after reading and journaling and like something that's really weighing on me. And so if I make a caption about that, and then the next day I get something that's really mean and hurtful from someone who liked that photo or they're referring to that photo, 
it just hurts a little bit more because they're coming at something that's meaningful to you and they're coming at you. Like they're coming at a piece of you that you have opened up and shared and been vulnerable to. And they're kind of uh, dissecting that and analyzing it in a much more hurtful way than uh, telling me that they don't like my hair or they don't like my shirt or something that's, you know, silly and kind of easy to brush off. So, you know, certain situations I think I handle well on social media and other situations and other comments, they do get to you. I think people have this really unfortunate opinion or this like feeling that because you're on a phone that this other person or if you have a lot of followers or something like that, that it's just not going to hurt you that much. You know, you've probably read something like this. You've probably seen something like this. You know, some people are not going to like you. And so I think they have this like distance, right? Like it's not, they're either not going to see it. Like I've had people write something really cruel on an Instagram photo from six months ago and I'll comment back to it. And they're like, oh my God, I never thought that you were going to see this. Or I did a van tour on somebody else's YouTube channel and I responded to a couple comments and they were like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I didn't think you were ever going to read that. And I was like, no, of course I'm like, it's on a video of me. Why? <laughs> it's a photo of me on my own Instagram. Why would you think I was not going to see it? So if any of you, which I know none of you are, if you are that type of person who would ever comment something mean, think about what it would do to that person because you don't know their insecurities. You don't know what they're going to take to heart and what bothers them and what doesn't. And so, you know, sometimes your opinion is unnecessary and just not needed at all. You know, I think sometimes as followers, we think, well, I've been supporting them, so they want my input. And sometimes I do. And sometimes like I know, you know, people that I know on social media as well, like they do. We want your input. I I love hearing your feedback. I ask for negative feedback because I'm always like, what am I doing wrong? Like I have to be doing things wrong. Please tell me. But there's a difference between giving someone like constructive criticism on something in a very supportive way and telling them like, I'm a supporter and I just want to either like better you at like or improve whatever you're doing. And if what I'm saying, well, does that then great or coming at them, you know, just like reaming them a new asshole and just being super mean. There's like an obvious difference in those things. So just be careful with the way that you approach people when you're giving them input or criticism on social media. That's all. Just be nice. Just be a nice person. Okay, I know I've said this a couple times, but this is another fantastic question. So somebody asked, how do I know that I'm not running from something by doing van life and just starting a new life altogether? And as uh, you know, I want to be so eloquent and tell you that, you know, this is how I know I'm not running away from anything. But the truth is, and I think if you have listened to previous episodes, you probably already guessed this. I no, I was running from something. I was running full speed marathon, like get me out of here life. Like I was ready to go. I didn't want to do it anymore. Like I said earlier, I was in the restaurant industry for a couple of years, working like 70 to 80 hours a week, which I felt like I was making really good money. But if you equal that out, hourly, like I was probably making drastically less than minimum wage. And that was while going to school full time, like, you know, all of these things that are a lot of privilege. And I know that I was really fortunate to go to school, although I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life. But I still had the opportunity, which I'm thankful for. And I still had a job, which I'm thankful for. And that helped pay a lot of my vans. And so yeah, I mean, overall grateful for that. And it definitely helped me get to where I am. But I was 100% running away from it. I ran and I left 
my job and I got to start my own business, which was a gigantic process, but it's so rewarding. Even on like the worst of days, it's very rewarding to beat yourself up and not have someone else like screaming at you when you mess up at work, which I know is probably also not standard like work environment, but it was mine. I was called so many names in the book. I was called the meanest things. I was yelled at all the time. My boss was on drugs. He was an alcoholic. And I, just so anyone knows, I've never said the name of the job or his name or anything like that. I'm not in the business of like trying to ruin people's careers. Although I read an article the other day and he did that for himself. However, I I was being treated really, really poorly and being able to run my own business and have a quote unquote brand of any kind and teach myself skills that I was interested in, like creating a website, learning about affiliate marketing and marketing in general, social media marketing. And yeah, I mean, the last two years by me running away from my previous life. It has paid off in a million ways that I never even anticipated that it could. If you want a fresh start, that's not a bad thing. Like sometimes we need a fresh start in life and that's what I needed and that is what I did. I don't regret it at all. And I'm not embarrassed to say that I was running away or you know that I was like in search for just a new life or like a quick fix. It definitely wasn't quick but it was a fix and I kind of set out to do something and I'm really proud and not ashamed to say that I feel like even though I'm still in the process that I have accomplished that. So sometimes if you need a fresh start, girl, do it. And last but not least, why did I go vegan? Which I know I'm also such a stereotype. I am a solo female living in a van, traveling, being vegan. You know, if I'm the only one of that kind that you follow, then you're probably like, what do you mean? You're a stereotype. But right now in like the van life world, we are kind of a stereotype. But I chose to go vegan because I had heard a lot about it in the recent couple years. Just people talking about plant-based, which I didn't know if that was the same thing as vegan. It turns out it is, but people, I don't know if they needed a different word for it because it sounds better. And I was starting to talk a lot about rescue and, you know, Lee's whole thing of, you know, adopt on shop and rescue and all this stuff. And so, after watching a documentary that in the moment I'm having a hard time remembering what the name of it was, but it's on Netflix. And I watched this documentary and it just opened my eyes to this reality of where we get our food. And this is coming from someone who I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but I hunted my entire life. I grew up, like I said, in kind of a conservative family and I was in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, and we hunted every hunting season. I grew up around guns. I grew up around learning how to skin a deer in my shed and stuff like that. So I'm not, I wasn't raised a vegetarian. My parents, when I told them I was going to be vegan, my parents had no idea what that word even meant. They didn't know the difference between pescatarian and vegetarian and vegan and all these things. And so it was definitely like a drastic thing for me. I know some people, they kind of slowly go into it, but I watched this documentary and I was just kind of like, you know what? Personal challenge. I'm going to be vegan from now on. And that was two years ago, two, three years ago. And I've been vegan ever since. When I kind of set out to do something, I flipped the switch. It's kind of like the whole van situation. I flipped a switch. I got a van and I started living in it. You know, when I wanted to go vegan, I watched this documentary. It was something I had been kind of thinking about. And as soon as I watched it, I was like, no, 
I'm going to either walk the walk or not do it at all. And if I'm going to promote rescue and animals and their their lives and their well-being, knowing that animals are being tortured for my food is not something that I'm okay with. And it's not something that I could ever publicly support. Like I would feel really ashamed of myself if I posted a photo of like a steak because it's just not what I am all about. And if I'm going to do something that would make me ashamed, like why would I do it off camera? You know what I mean? Like regardless of if I'm going to take a photo, why would I do something that I'm ashamed to show people? So I just made the decision right then and there. And I cannot tell you that I feel like a different person or that my health is insanely better. I have seen people do drastically better after being vegan and like not have to take medication that they were taking and their asthma going away. I was a pretty healthy person before I was vegan. So I didn't have many things to like fix by going vegan. It was really because of the animal situation and just because I saw what it was doing in this documentary, I mean, good Lord, they're so disturbing. And, you know, people always argue some of the stuff is false, some of it is real, whatever, whatever the case may be, it was disturbing to me. And that's kind of what matters. If it's not something that I want to do, I'm all about like, you know, doing things that make me happy and doing things that make me feel good. And if I'm eating something and I'm thinking about where it came from, like, that's probably not healthy. That's probably not a good thing. And it just kind of makes me happy to know that I'm full of vegetables <laughs> from top to bottom. And I, yeah, I just, I feel clean and healthy, but it's like a placebo thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, I don't have extraordinarily more energy or anything like that. I, I feel overall good. I feel healthy. I feel fine. And yeah, I, I like what I eat. So, that's kind of just why I went vegan. If you don't want to go vegan, then don't watch documentaries. If you're curious about veganism, then you should watch the documentaries and you will probably end up vegan. But what I do encourage you to do is be aware of what your food is and where it's coming from. Don't be blind to that. It can actually cause serious health problems down the line if you're just like going in on fast food every single day. And I don't judge anyone for what they choose to eat. You should at least be aware of what it is and kind of what it's coming from because it's your health. And I always say like your body is the only reason that you exist. Without your body, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> so you should probably take care of it and take it fairly seriously because you don't want to start doing that when the doctor tells you something awful. It's just not worth it. So anyway, that wraps up all 10 questions. I hope that you enjoyed this. Let me know if you did. When you share my podcast on your stories, by the way, and you're on Instagram, it really does mean the absolute world to me. I'm so, so thankful that you guys do that every week. And I will always share them on my story as well. So please keep doing that. It's just kind of validating. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say it's for any other reason. It just makes me feel nice and it makes me feel good. So do not forget, please, to comment on uh, my post on Friday, your nonprofit of choice, because I am really looking forward to giving that donation and kind of coming across a nonprofit that I have not heard of already. And yeah, force me to put this on YouTube, please. I'm going to need a gentle push from some of you. So please do that. <laughs> and I love you. Thank you for listening. I will see you next week, my friends. Bye.